Is anybody excited about this series besides me? All right, good. Two of you are excited with me. All right, good. Now I'll give you, I'll cut you some slack because you don't even know, some of you don't even know what I'm talking about if you're not my Facebook friend. Come on, y'all need to be my Facebook friend. Hit that little invite button. I want to be your friend. I'll like you and it'll all be wonderful from there until I offend you with one of my posts. But anyway, all right. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm really a nice guy on Facebook. I I still have this question I want to talk to the Lord about, though. I say, Lord, how come when I share something profound, I get like 10 likes? And how come when I take a picture of my dog, I get 1,000 likes? (laughs) That's one of those questions I'm going to ask when I get to heaven someday. All right. Open up your Bibles. 1 Samuel. Chapter 3, 1 Samuel chapter 3. I want to talk about developing a listening ear, learning to tune into the frequencies of heaven. We're going to be doing a series about how, all the different ways God speaks to us. Anybody besides me at this season in your life valuing the spoken word of the Lord? Like, I know I'm your pastor. Uh, I know I'm older than most in this room, but can I just tell you, I am still pursuing the Lord. I am still asking for more. I am still hungry to hear the voice of the Lord more clearly and to be more sensitive to the Lord because I know that the voice of the Lord can change everything. And I want you to see a template this morning from the Bible, from Samuel's life. So turn to 1 Samuel chapter 3. We're going to begin reading in verse 1. Meanwhile... The boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. He was the high priest at the time. And now in those days, I want you to see this, in those days, the messages from the Lord were very rare. And visions were quite uncommon. One night, Eli, who was almost blind by now, had gone to bed. Now let me mention his his physical blindness because of age uh, was all... all, all, uh, matched as well by his spiritual blindness. It was really, he was really a picture of what he was like spiritually. Uh, he was not in a good spot. He was not leading his family well. And, he, and his spiritual vision and discernment were practically as bad as his natural sight. The Bible says the lamp of God had not yet gone out there in the temple, and Samuel was sleeping in the tabernacle near the ark of God. Suddenly, don't you love the suddenlies of God? Suddenly, the Lord called out, Samuel. Yes, Samuel replied, what is it? And notice the eagerness of of Samuel's little heart. He got up and in the Bible says he ran to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, Eli replied. Go back to bed. So he did. Then the Lord called out again, Samuel. Again, Samuel got up and he went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? I didn't call you, my son. Eli said, now go back to bed. Samuel did not, look at verse 7, this is real key. Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. So the Lord called him a third time. And once more, Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am, did you call me? Then, finally, after three times, Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls you again, here's what you need to say. Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. 
And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. Can you say that with me out loud? Speak, your servant is listening. Can we do it one more time? Speak, your servant is listening. I really felt like this was a perfect introduction to this series because in in a short little sentence, it provides a template for the way this is supposed to work. For the way God speaks, for the way we hear, for the way we follow. Uh, And it's such a simple, simple picture that you can use, even in your prayer life, when you open up the Word of God, when you're sitting before the Lord, to say this, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. In other words, you have my undivided attention, Lord. I'm here. I want you to speak to me. Now, let me give you a little bit of background about this situation. Look at at verse 1. In those days, messages from the Lord were very rare, and visions were quite uncommon. Can I just share something with you? Whenever the voice of the Lord is silent, it is not because God has nothing to say. It is because something is seriously wrong on our side. When visions are rare and when God's messaging to us and His communication to us is few and far between, it's not because God isn't in the talkative mood. How many know He's not moody? He's not like, well, I just... Had a long day. Pastor Ron just shared his needs with me, and I'm a little overwhelmed. I just want a quiet place where I can go pull myself together. No, God's not like we're We're like that, but God's not like that. How I many of you know one of the beautiful things about our God is He communicates. He reveals. He's not silent. He, he's always on the move. So how many of you know if God's always on the move, then He's always looking for someone who cares about what He's doing and who wants to partner with Him and who has an ear and actually values the voice of God. The sad part is, at this time in Israel's history, evidently, starting with the priesthood, there were not a lot of people who really treasured the voice of the Lord. And can I just tell you, this, this is a familiar passage for us, Proverbs 29, 18. I love the way the Amplified Version says it. Where there is no vision, that is no revelation of God and His Word, the people are unrestrained. Can I just tell you, I, I, we had an amazing account, encounter, and you know some folks were honest with me. Joe, you were honest. I'm picking on you. I'm picking on everybody today. Get ready. You might be next. Um, but Joe said, you know, I, you know, I come to this encounter, I'm really not sure what to expect. In fact, I was a little bit nervous. I just want to tell you this. That's the way you should be anytime you're in the presence of God Almighty. What's going to happen? What's he going to do? Did he ask me for permission? Will I be comfortable? None of your business. You're not God. Whenever we come in the presence of God Almighty, you shouldn't be chilling. There should be a healthy sense of, oh, this is going to be good, but I don't know what's going to happen, but God's on the move, and it's going to be awesome, and I'm a little scared. You know, if you, if you read through the book of Acts, anybody got that in your Bible? People that came to church... We're a little scared. People who didn't come to church were very scared of the church. Not because of the weirdness, not because of, you know, bizarre. They were scared because God was there, the living God, not a pretend God. But I want you to see something here. The priesthood at the time, and I'm going to put it in our language, the pastors were pathetic. The pastors were compromised. The pastors couldn't hear God. 
In fact, the reason the pastors couldn't hear God is because the pastors didn't want to hear God. They didn't ask God. They didn't wait for God. They didn't honor God. They didn't treasure the word of God. And so the priesthood is corrupt. And I'm just telling you, when we don't create and invite the presence of God, you know what happens to people in the church? They're compromised. They're worldly. They're corrupt. And as a result, the nation is weak and vulnerable. Can I tell you right now, our nation is weak and vulnerable. The people have cast off restraint. Why have the people cast off restraint? Because there's no prophetic voice of God coming out of the church. When the Lord speaks, people listen. Remember the old E.F. Hutton commercial, you know? Everybody stop. Some of you are going, what's he talking about? I know, I'm old, but trust me, look it up. When God speaks, people listen. When you speak with authority, people listen. What they say about Jesus? Wow, we've never heard a guy at church talk like him. He speaks with authority. And when there's authority, people listen. And when people listen, they care about God. They follow God. They care about their lives. They care about sin. But listen, when there's no prophetic voice in the church, the people run wild. How many of you know in America right now, there's no prophetic voice, and so the people have cast off restraint? And we have lawlessness abounding in America. Our nation is very vulnerable and very weak right now. And I want you to see what happens. Look at chapter 4 with me. We're not going to read the whole chapter. But Israel goes off to war. They go off to fight the Philistines. How many of you know we have authority over the Philistines? We win. I just want to. This is our covenant. You're a winner. If you have a pattern in your life, lose, 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 lose. God's trying to get your attention. You're not a loser, and he's not a loser. Whatever he's doing, he's a winner. Now, this is second service. You need to be preaching better back to me than, uh, than you're doing right now, all right? All right? I give first service a break. They were tired. The snow was deep. You guys got help. Come on. Talk to me this morning. Talk to me this morning. Look at what it says, 1 Samuel 4, verse 3. After the battle was over, and I might parenthetically add, and they got their tails whipped, the troops retreated to their camp, and the elders, the spiritual leaders of Israel, paused and they asked a really good question. Why did the Lord allow us to be defeated by the Philistines? And then they came up with a really great carnal idea. They said, let's bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord from Shiloh if we carry, what does it say? It into battle. It will save us from our enemies. Now, how many of you know the Ark of the Covenant? God is a spirit. God is not contained in any one place. He doesn't dwell in any one place. He, he's everywhere at once. That's what it means to be God. He's omnipresent. But how many of you know, for our sake, God gathered and his Shekinah glory uh, hovered over the Ark. If you wanted to find God, go find the Ark. Now, the ark was not an it. The ark was a, 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 a box that carried some important stuff inside, uh, and they carried it off into battle. It was part of the worship. But here's the important thing about the ark. It was the mercy seat covered with blood and sacrifice over which Jesus Christ, the presence of God, the Holy Ghost, Old Testament, Shekinah glory, God himself hovered over that box. How many of you know when you got the glory of God, you're good to go? When you have the presence of God, you're good to go. What did they say here? Let's go get the lucky charm. Let's go fetch it. Let's go get the box. 
Let's get the magic box. Let's bring it to battle. I mean, you know, God is not a magic box. God is not some religious tradition or ceremony. God is a spirit and he's alive. And he's powerful. When we talk about things in church, even the Holy Spirit, it. The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit is a person. He has a personality. He can be known. He can be quenched. He can be grieved. He's the third member of the Godhead. He wants a relationship with us. And if you reduced him to Casper, you're the friendly ghost, or to it, uh, you're worshiping the wrong, the wrong God. You're worshiping a, a false image of God. What happens, of course, great defeat follows. They got it, but they didn't get God. God was not fighting for them because they were not even walking with God. Eli and his sons are killed, these wicked uh, priest sons of his. Uh, Eli's daughter-in-law goes into labor. She gives birth to a son. And I, I've noticed I've never done a baby, a baby dedication of little baby Ichabod. There's a reason we don't dedicate Ichabods, because nobody in their right mind would name their kid. This kid, it means God's nowhere to be found. This kid's name means there's no Holy Spirit on him. There's no glory on him. How many of you know, if, if someone named your kid Ichabod, change the name in a hurry. That's the, that's the last thing you want spoken over your life is, uh, yeah, God's nowhere to be found in our house, our marriage, my personal life. There's no sense of the presence of God around at all. Israel was in a dire state. And can I just tell you, we need to be a part of honoring the voice of the Lord, honoring the presence of God, and letting the church become a prophetic movement in the earth again so that nations are blessed, that the fear of the Lord goes through the land, and that we move in the signs and wonders and, and the powerful display of who God is when He moves. Now let me give you the template here, and this is really, really important. The, the first words out of Samuel's mouth were, Speak. How many of you know, if you have been taught, and many of you have, and I hope this series addresses what I believe is a serious uh, theological failure. Some of you come from places where you've been taught that after God gave us this, God's not talking anymore. We got the Bible. God doesn't need to talk anymore. Um, we're going to talk next week about the importance of this book, all right, as, as the living Word of God. But how many of you know God is still speaking to you as sons and daughters? I think on a fatherly level, wouldn't it be silly if I wrote my kids a letter and told them how much I loved them, and then I spent the rest of my life ignoring them and never said a word to them? If I would never do that as an earthly father, why would we expect that God somehow stopped talking when we got handed a Bible? God wants to communicate to us. God wants relationship with us. God wants us to hear his voice. But if you have no expectation that he's speaking, you'll never, ever even wait to hear God's voice. Or you'll never develop a listening ear. Now, I want you to see something. This is hugely important. It says in verse 7, Samuel did not yet know the Lord because he had never had a message from the Lord before. It is possible to be raised in church, go to Sunday school, get all the badges, be part of a wana, uh, be a deacon, be an elder, be on this committee, serve at the door, be a greeter, give money, and not have an intimate relationship with Jesus. Do you know that the voice of the Lord speaking into our lives personally is essential? 
It's not, this is not an additional thing. You know, I, 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 I had my son last night. My son Johnny was at the encounter. Now, I've got eight kids, and I realized, first of all, this is a little help for parents. If you've got a cookie-cutter approach to raising your kids, throw your cookie-cutter away because every single one of your kids is absolutely unique, and they need to be parented differently. I mean, within a broad set of parameters. I have learned. I'm the pastor. I love my wife. I live for Jesus at home. I bring my kids to church, non-negotiable. They're here on Sunday morning. Um, I, we, we love each other. We love our kids. Um, my kids have heard me preach on Sunday. God help them. They've had to hear, they hear me preach at home. They hear me preach here. They hear me preach everywhere. And, um, and, and, and so my point is, they're all in the same environment. But the environment's not enough. They need to hear the voice. Because the voice is the voice that says to dead things, come alive. The voice is the voice that calls you personally by name. And we have been praying, Lord, encounter, radically encounter all my kids. But number eight's waiting in line next. Encounter my son. Speak over my son. Let him know you like I know you. Let him hear your voice like I have heard your voice. I mean, you know, there's nothing you want more for your kids than for all your kids to love Jesus with passion. Am I speaking to the right crowd? And, and, and listen to me, listen to me. You cannot make that happen. You can create the environment. You can share. You can live the life. We need the Holy Spirit. Because being born again is not just believing the right recipe or saying the right words. Being born again is supernatural. It's when the voice of God calls your name. And when you hear for the first time, and when you respond for the first time, and when you know you have been encountered by God. So when you say to somebody, hey, are you a Christian? I hope so. Let me help you. You're not. You know why? Because when you're encountered by God, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You might have to finish the message for me because you're holding it. You're holding it together better than I'm going to right now. When my son gets his key from the encounter and the word reads his mail, and when he picks up the prophetic word that men of God spent before the Lord fasting and praying and writing down what God was laying on their heart, and the word was exactly what he needed to hear, and when he turns into my arms and we weep together and cry because the presence of God is so strong. That's when I know little Samuel, who did not know the Lord, has now received a message. And that message, because God is speaking, that message has the power to awaken a dead and stony heart that might be good, doing the right things, right atmosphere, good kid, and all that kind of stuff. But you need a supernatural kiss from heaven that awakens your heart and awakens your affections, and that's the Holy Spirit's job.
And listen to me, if you don't care that God speaks, you put yourself in a very dangerous place because it's the word of the Lord that's the life source for us. Now, I want you to see something that where God is different from the gods of the earth. The Bible says in Psalm 115, their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. Listen to this. They have mouths, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear. They have noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they can't feel. They have feet, and they can't walk. They have throats, but they can't make any sounds. What good is a God like that? But look at what verse 8 says. This is critical. Those who make idols are just like the idols that they make and all who are tr- and all who are trusted in them. So here's the point. If you're raised in a theology that says God doesn't do these things anymore. God doesn't act this way anymore. God doesn't speak personally anymore. Then you're creating a God who's deaf and who's dumb. There are people, God doesn't do miracles anymore. Okay, good. Just cut the arms off of your idol too, because God's not going to do that anymore either. Oh, and he's not speaking, so just seal his lips. Oh, and he can't smell or see or hear. He's basically just a dumb, deaf and dumb idol. And listen to me. What happens to your relationship with Jesus? You become just like what you worship. Well, God never speaks to me because you're worshiping the wrong God. God never moves in my life. God never answers my prayer. You better get rid of the false idol you've created that you're worshiping because the sad thing is you're becoming just like it. Or you just go to a church that worships the same idol. Oh, yeah, that God there. Yeah, no, no more arms, no more mouth. Yep, that's my tribe. I'm going to go to that church. You, you'll be deaf and dumb and powerless just like the people you worship with. The Bible says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord, majestic. That means full of majesty. So here's the deal. When you're in the presence of God Almighty, when you're in the presence of God Almighty, one word changes everything. I've seen men melt under one simple word from God. Hard men. Tough men, rebellious men, stony-hearted men. One word from God. Boom! Everything's changed. Because when God speaks, He has the power to accomplish what His words are saying. God doesn't offer invitations. God declares things. And when God speaks, He performs His word. When he says something, he performs his word. The, the very thing out of his mouth has the power to create what he just said. Which is why when he says, let there be light, guess what happens? Boom, light explodes on planet earth. Which is why, by the way, in salvation, and I want to get biblical with you and show you this from the scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God, who said, let there be light in the darkness, has made this light shine in our hearts, so we could know the glory of God that's seen in the face of Jesus Christ. This is how salvation works. There's a time in each of our lives when God decides to overcome your rebellion. Because guess what? 
for you to be saved, somebody has to overcome your rebellion. So what does God do? He speaks. And Brian's in an atmosphere where there's worship or whatever, or he might have someone preaching the gospel, preaching from the word of the Lord, and all of a sudden, boom, on that particular Sunday, everything's different than any other Sunday. Well, what happened? It's the power of the word of God at that very moment to say, today is your day. Boom, God resurrects a dead person. A dead person. You know, I hear all these pastors who have adopted this whole idea that somehow, somehow we're going to lead people along with breadcrumbs to where they're not offended or we don't make them uncomfortable with this powerful God we worship, breadcrumbs, breadcrumbs. And then all of a sudden one day they have this aha moment. They go, I, I think I'm going to follow this really nice Jesus that I've been learning about all along the way. That is the most man-centered, worthless gospel I've ever heard in my life. We're not trying to coax people into a relationship with God. You don't do it that way. People get saved because the power of God is present to tear blinders off of their eyes so blind men see the beauty of Jesus like they've never seen before. And listen, once you have seen the Lord, your life is changed. I'm not talking about having someone talk about the Lord. I'm saying you personally see Jesus. You go, wow, I want to follow that man. I want to know that man. I want to give my life to that man because something has happened inside of you. The voice of the Lord is powerful. And when, when someone's ministering to you, we saw this on our week one, those two days. I can't tell you how many people have said in their testimony, you know, that man, isn't it interesting, that man, because you call him that man because you don't know him. And you know what? That man doesn't know you, but that man knows God, and God knows you. And when that man reads your mail, and you're going, how did he know that? How did he know that? But not just reading your mail, but speaking into your heart. You know what happens? Explosion. And people go, wow, I want to follow this Jesus who loves me so much that he would speak to me personally and call my name. Nothing more precious to a person than their name. The Lord calls you by name, not one time, not two times, not three times. In Samuel's situation, Five times. Find that interesting because five is the number of grace. God will call your name long enough for as long as it takes to radically encounter you. And let me just say this. If you're a Christian and you've been doing all the religious stuff, go to church, serve at church, give at church, hand out the brochures, but you've never had a kiss from heaven. I'm speaking figuratively now, right? Not sexually, figuratively. What I mean is the Lord has personally touched you then you need to pursue god and you say god i need to know you god i want you to change me god i want an encounter with you god somebody say, ah we don't need we don't need mystical encounters we shouldn't seek these weird encounters we do yeah, stop it we're not seeking mystical encounters we're seeking a relationship with the living god the living god Very quickly, second point here. Speak, your servant, your servant. Does this service end at 11.30? Next one starts at 11.30. I am so sick of this church. (laughs) 
how can a man preach a message around here when we got to get you guys in and out? Like, anyway, all right. We're changing all that, by the way. I'm, I got information coming. Hang in there. Samuel was consecrated to the Lord. And what I want you to see is there, there's a degree of consecration that really matters. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, this is what the sons of Eli are like. It says the sons of Eli were scoundrels. I appreciate God. You know, he doesn't mince any words. The sons of Eli were scoundrels. Well, pastor, what's a scoundrel? Well, let me go to some other translations. Base men, worthless men, wicked, dishonest, evil, corrupt, useless. How many of you know you don't want to be a scoundrel? What were these guys doing? Oh, they were religious guys. They were priests. They were pastors. What were the pastors doing? Having sex with girls at church that weren't their wives. Can I just tell you, God doesn't think that's cute. And, uh, and this is his leadership. This is the leadership of the church, living immoral, godless life. God called, you ready for this? God called them scoundrels. Can I just tell you, we've got a lot of scoundrels leading churches today. The sin of these young men, the Bible says, was very serious in the Lord's sight, for they treated the Lord's offerings with contempt. And I want you to look at verse 18. But Samuel, though he was only a boy, served the Lord, and he wore a linen garment like that of a priest. Can I tell you this? You are a kingdom of priests. Every one of you, that's what the Bible says. What do priests do? They minister to the Lord. They take what they receive from the Lord. They minister to the people. And you all see how you do that? What do you do? You minister to Jesus. You worship Him. You let Him fill you, speak to you through the Word, by His Spirit. We're going to talk about that next week. And then we minister to other people. Every one of you is a priest. Be a priest like Samuel was. Eli's sons, though, look at verse, verse 25. Eli's sons wouldn't listen to their father, for he was already, for the Lord was already planning to put them to death. Did any of you read your Bible and, and you read those passages and you go, What? God's going to kill them. Yeah. He, take them out. They're done. How many of you know? I just want to say this. When you handle things that are spiritual and holy and sacred, and you treat them like they're carnal and vile, the Lord does not like that. So can I just tell you something? You don't have to be hard on a true man or woman of God because God will take care of his servant and he'll take care of his reputation. And I just want to say this. I think we're going to see a lot of doors closing in America, in American churches, because God's had enough. God's had enough. And you know what? It's Ichabod. The glory of the Lord has departed. And can I just tell you something? You never want to worship at a place where the Holy Spirit's not present. Ever, 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 ever. Now, I have just transformed into Tom Brady. I'm the goat. I am the goat. And I need uh, Rob Gronkowski to join me. Rob, come on up here. Rob, yeah, give it up for Gronk, all right? Some of you are going, who's Rob Gronkowski? Did he join the church last week? No, you'll understand this a minute. Rob, this was one of the greatest combinations of all time. All right, now, Big B, we're going to run this play right here. So I need you to go white out to the right, all right? I want to show you something. I am God Almighty. Work with me, people. I am God Almighty. This is my word. This is, what, this is my message, all right? I throw a pass to my servant, my servant Brian. Now, uh, 
Now, have any of you noticed the quarterback's faces when they throw a perfect pass? Let me tell you how quarterbacks think. Brian is not catching anything I'm throwing his way. So I'm not going to look that way any longer. I'm going to pretend like Brian is not even on my team. Who do I throw to? Because every time I throw Brian the ball, he drops it. Oh, that time he caught it. Sign and a wonder. Okay, stereo. So, oh yeah. So, hey, let me, let me try that again. You caught it. Catch it again. I caught it again. Look at it. So what am I going to do if I'm the quarterback and I'm God and I want to speak to my sons and daughters and I throw them the ball, what's the first thing you got to do? Catch the ball. What happens if you keep dropping it? By dropping it, I mean either you don't care, you don't listen, you don't pay attention. Why would God keep talking to people who don't care? You're so busy doing your thing and, and living your life. And I, some people, the only time they even talk to God and hope that he talks back is when they're in a crisis. God, where are you? And then it's like, God, where are you? God, where are you? God, why did you do that? Judge, judge, judge. And then God's like, why do I want to talk to that? Are you kidding me? So I throw him the ball. Brian catches the ball. What's going to happen next? Oh, ah! <laughs> <laughs> All right. No, I would get a 15-yard penalty for that. But how many of you know, in football, if you hold that, you better know what you're doing. Because there's 11 people on the other side who hate you. And that ball that you have, they're taught to rip it away from you. And they're taught to destroy you. They're taught to hit you so hard that the ball squirts out of your arms. Like, there it goes up in the air. And then the next guy gets it. So if I want to speak to him, if I'm God and I want to speak to him, and I throw him the ball, what does he do? He better run for the goal line. It's down there, buddy. It's down there. All right. And what, hey, you're in the end zone now. What do you, no, no, no. Get in the end zone. You just scored a touchdown. Now what do you do? Yeah, that's what we do. Right there, all right. You celebrate. Way to go, Gronk, all right. And so here's what happens. The Lord looks for his prime receivers. I'll take the ball back. Thank you. Give Brian a hint. If you want to hear the voice of the Lord... Posture yourself in an attitude of humility. Give the Lord your life. Speak, Lord. Your servant is listening. And when God gives you instruction, score a touchdown. And when you get in the end zone, don't forget to celebrate. Celebration is a big part of the score. Have you noticed? The whole team, they get in front of the big camera. Woo! They're doing all the signs, that, and you're like, oh, that's a cool celebration. Look at what those guys came up with. Woo! That, to me, is like the worship time, all right? We, we just we heard the word of the Lord. We scored. We did what God told us. Now we got celebration going on in the house. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, because you got to celebrate what God's doing in your life. But I'm going to ask this question. Is God, ask yourself, you know, is the Lord speaking to me? 
Well, are you on his mission? Are, are you running the play? Are you trying to score? Are you being faithful with the word of the Lord? How about this? We, this, is, this is what we already know to be the will of God. Are we in the word and are we listening to the word and are we obeying the word? This is kind of like the playbook, right? Do we care about what God has to say? And then when God speaks to us and says, hey, how about this? This, this wasn't in the book, but when God says, hey, the way you talk to, to your wife there, that's not me. You made her feel really stupid. The Lord just threw me the ball. Hey, Pastor Ron. Yeah. Yeah, uh, go to your wife. This is the play. It's called, go to your wife. Ask her to forgive you because you spoke incorrectly to my daughter. Okay, Lord. Will you please forgive me? I acted like a jerk. You're a queen. I hurt your heart. Please forgive me. Are we good? Oh, we're good. We hug. <laughs> Woo! Pam! Oh, yeah! All right. This is how it works. Or you can go, what? What, God? What did you say? Talk to who? What did I do? The Lord's like, there is hope for you because I'm alive. I'm God. Uh, but we're going to have to work on you a little bit longer. All right. I wish I could work on you all a little bit longer this morning, but after that wonderful reception and touchdown score by Brian, we're going to have to close the service. So hop to your feet. I want to pray for you. Hallelujah. How many of you would like to take that posture? Speak for your servant is listening. Amen? Can we do that together? Say it with me. Speak for your servant is listening. Holy Spirit, we honor you. We welcome you. We yield to you. We know you're the one that makes the word of God come alive. You're the one that takes the written word and applies it perfectly to every situation. You're the one that takes the written word and opens our heart to love Jesus more. So we yield to you. We honor you. We embrace you. We thank you, God, that your word can change anything, any situation, anybody. So, Lord, speak your word over our lives. Speak the word. Give us direction. Give us wisdom. Help us to carry out the assignment, Lord, uh, with faithfulness. We give you praise and glory. Thank you for all you're doing, Lord. We love you. Holy Spirit, we love you. And may you continue to have free reign in our hearts. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. Hey, love you guys. Having a great, great day today.